Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Conversation Podcast. This is Tara Hatfield, and I'm joined with my colleague, Don Gettinger. We are wrapping up our podcast series on culturally and linguistically appropriate services. I'd like to welcome Pooja back. She's going to talk about the last domain of class, which is engagement, continuous improvement, and accountability. Sure. This last domain covers several things, you know, one of which is thinking about how to establish class standards throughout the organization's planning and operations, conducting assessments of the organization's class-related activities and making sure that there's continuous quality improvement that's being done, Uh, maintaining and collecting demographic data that's accurate so that you can really evaluate impact of class on health equity and outcomes, and then conducting regular assessments of community health assets to use those results and make sure that they're responding to the cultural and linguistic diversity of populations in the service area. A couple of more things that their specific domain covers is also partnering with the community to design appropriate policies, programs, practices, creating processes to address conflict and grievance resolution that are culturally and linguistically appropriate. And then lastly, communicating exactly what the organization's doing to implement and sustain class to all its stakeholders, constituents, and the general public. If the goal covered by the first standard is to understand and respond to diverse cultural language and communication needs, we need to make sure that we're continuing to improve, assess, and evaluate our policies and operations. You know, it's not enough to just create the policies and plans and then be done. As we know in quality improvement, you know, we need to enact those tests of change, see what's working, what's not working, and keep making improvements. A key element of successful implementation is having a continuous quality improvement process, which includes an assessment phase, a planning phase, an implementation phase, and an evaluation phase. And, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of making sure that organization policies and practices are in place. So then it's about, you know, assessing whether they're working. And the assessments can range from internal informal check-ins to see how processes can be improved to more formalized surveys from the community staff and other stakeholders. You know, using a variety of methods that are both quantitative and qualitative can provide rich information on areas where things are going well and where things might need to be improved. Related to this, you know, there's also more research that's coming out and there might be, you know, newer best practices in place. So making sure that we're staying current and continuously assessing what we're doing is really important. Another um, essential piece of health equity in class is collecting and maintaining accurate demographic information from patients. So this can include race, ethnicity, gender, preferred language, disability status, And when you think about it, what the data is telling you is who is the population that you're serving and what are their language needs and what are their cultural and linguistic needs. The data just helps establish a foundation for cultural and linguistic competency, and it allows an organization to become more responsive to the cultural preferences of the patients that they're serving and tailor those services to their diverse needs. You can also as an organization, use the data to stratify other metrics and to see whether certain quality improvement activities might be working with one population versus another. And this really helps teams dig deeper into the root causes of specific disparities. So if you're noticing that one health outcome in a specific race, 
might be looking poorer than another race, then you might want to dig deeper and say, okay, we're trying to understand why that's happening. And then you're able to uncover particular, you know, causes of those issues and then make improvements. And again, using quality improvement methodology, you know, testing things out and then using the data to assess whether those improvements are actually making a difference. Collecting this information can be challenging, but several organizations have implemented scripts for collecting the data and making sure that staff are really trained. And this can range from one, making sure that staff have a script in front of them and feel comfortable asking the questions, but also providing staff members with frequently asked questions that the patients or community members might have about how the data is being used and making sure that we're addressing those concerns. Another aspect to you know, understanding community needs and assets is knowing what services and gaps are available to understand what could help community members and how best to partner with them, what resources not to duplicate and what other additional resources might be beneficial. So are you able to map kind of what assets are available in the community already that exist that members might be familiar with? And then looking at your own resources and thinking what else might be helpful? Where could you partner? So for example, some communities have strong faith-based organizations. And you know, I read an example about one hospital working with a faith-based organization to improve cardiac health in a particular population having the ability to partner with community-based organizations where there's already this established trust with the community and the patients is really important and it and it also highlights to the the patients that you're kind of you're moving just beyond kind of the four walls of your organization and you know kind of going beyond and engaging the community so on a related note, community engagement and partnership, you know, it can only strengthen the organization's commitment to cultural and linguistically appropriate services. And it can also help identify ways to manage inequitable practices and having a way to resolve them through feedback and stakeholder input. So if you have these established links between the organization and the community, then you're also better able to handle times when, you know, there might be challenges or challenging conversations that need to be had and having the ability to resolve them with the community's input is really essential. So for example, you know, one organization recognized that there were high rates of diabetes in their community and they developed a stakeholder advisory group that helped focus on health promotion efforts that were tailored to the cultural needs of its community. When specific challenges or issues arise, there are ways to tap into that stakeholder advisory group to, you know, see whether they'd be willing to help the organization think about how to manage these challenges. And then finally, communicating how an organization is making progress on class standards is important. You know, it's one thing to do the work as an organization, but it's also important to present the feedback and results from these assessments, describing the partnerships with the community so that everyone's aware of, you know, the rich kind of network that an organization's created. And then also working with staff to describe what specific policies are in place and making sure that staff members are being onboarded or trained newly that there is some documentation of all the things that have been done so that they're able to kind of go back and refer to that information and then use that when they're also working. So after an organization has put in all of this work to do all of this 
much needed, you know, class implementation, how can they assess the class related activities to ensure that they're sustainable? That's a great question. I think one, making sure that there is, you know, a documented plan in place and underlying that plan, having specific strategies to address the culturally and linguistically appropriate services. So for example, if an organization has a language access plan where they've outlined the use of interpreters and where they're available, to ensure sustainability, first making sure that staff know what resources are available, that patients know what resources are available to them, and then making sure that you're using the resources effectively. And so looking back, if you're assessing how much of the interpreter's services were used or how often are patients accessing information in particular languages, having a way to collect some feedback and some data so that you're able to you know, understand kind of uptake of some of this information, its use, and then you know, also making sure that you're using that information to feedback into any improvements that you're trying to make can help kind of make this like I mentioned earlier, that continuously improving cycle. And then it kind of gets solidified in the organization's foundation where this kind of becomes a normal practice so that it isn't this like separate thing that you're doing or a separate type of intervention. It becomes part of the organization. And then it becomes self-sustaining when, you know, someone needs an interpreter, you know, everyone kind of knows, oh, here's where we find one. Here's where we can provide the right type of resource in the preferred language. And so it kind of becomes second second nature within an organization. Um, and I think that's, you know, ideally what you want is for this to kind of end up being more seamless and well integrated. So Pooja, you did a great job of kind of explaining how organizations can collect population and demographic data. But I wanted to ask a little bit more about what they do on the reporting side, what the data that they're looking at. How often would you recommend that they look at the quality measures broken down by demographic data or population data? And then maybe what level of depth would you recommend they look to see that they're providing equitable care? Sure. So I think in terms of looking at the data, first, I think it's important to look kind of on the whole to see is the data even being collected and, you know, making sure that gaps are initially identified. So when you look at, you know, let's say, for example, we're looking at demographic data on race and ethnicity. If an organization seeing 30% of patients aren't reporting that information or, you know, choose not to answer, then, you know, that's one way, one place to kind of initially dig and, and say, you know, why aren't they providing that information? You know, what is it about the questions? You know, do they have any concerns? And so first, it's kind of making sure that that data is complete and that it's collected to a level of completeness where an organization feels like they really have a good handle on their community and their patient population. And then I think it's trying to stratify that data. You can slice and dice it in different ways. And so, you know, quality improvement projects looking specifically at, oh, you know, let's look at this particular health outcome and look at, for example, age or gender where it makes sense. You know, it might make sense in particular um, health outcomes to look at specific types of demographic data just based on, you know, kind of the nature of that particular outcome. For diabetes, for example, you might want to look at age, race at a cross section and see, you know, are there specific populations not being addressed? And then, you know, really digging in deeper into the kind of whys, like, 
what is it specifically about a particular you know population where you know their needs might not be being met or on the flip side you might be doing something really well with a particular population and and kind of see oh you know what are we doing well with one population maybe it's a partnership that you have existing with the community-based organization that's going really well are there ways to replicate it and then i think don you asked about how frequently data should be kind of looked at and i think you know unfortunately it does depend on an organization's policies how often they're looking at it it could be that they're looking at you know completeness of the data collection every month and seeing you know are we getting all of the information from the patient populations you know are there gaps it could also mean you know as you're doing quality improvement projects you kind of get into a cadence of how frequently it makes sense to look at the information just based on you know the number of data points that you have so it could mean that you're looking at you know particular health outcome by quarter and kind of seeing differences and trends there the overall message is, you know, to make sure that people are appropriately trained to collect that information and then to look at the information and just do a little gut check and make sure that complete information, that when the information isn't complete, that you're digging in deeper there and trying to understand, you know, what the concerns might be from the patient population and really trying to get as, as much information as you can that's complete and from the patient because it really does make an impact when you're able to collect from the patient, you know, how they report their own race and and ethnicity and other demographic data. And then, you know, when you're kind of there and, you know, everyone kind of feels comfortable doing that, then you're really able to kind of use that information and look at it in different ways and, and understand really where the disparities may exist. Pooja, thank you so much for sharing your insight and expertise with us today. And listeners, thank you for joining us for the conversation. If you have any questions about class or how you might be able to implement that in your own organization, feel free to reach out to us at QSource and we'd be happy to help. And we hope that you join us again for future conversations.